The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Navigating the journey called life doesn't get any easier as we move through it, but we can learn from what we have within us to make it more enjoyable in the long run. Welcome to Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. Your host is Alexandra Janelli. In our program, we set out to provide you with the undiscovered wisdom within you to handle even life's bumpy spots. Now, here is the host, founder and practitioner of Theta Spring, Alexandra Janelli. Welcome, everybody. This is Alexandra Janelli, your host at the Mental Sherpa Show. I'm so glad to have you back on the show and to be listening with us today. I hope you enjoyed our last segment with Brianna Rodriguez, where we were talking about doubt and how that emotion can really begin to play into our daily lives and part of the process of accomplishing and achieving our goals. What Brianna had really talked about was, and she was exhibiting in her documentary, was how doubt she really wanted to try to minus the doubt from the process. And what she had learned was you you really can't minus the doubt. That doubt is part of the process. And sometimes it does require acknowledging it to begin to pivot. And so what we're beginning to talk about today is the process of change and how change comes about. And I'm joined today with Dr. Mari Terzaghi, at, who is a fabulous regression specialist and therapist and analyst who is owner and practitioner at Quantum Hypnosis Therapy New York. And her website is quantumhypnosistherapyny.com. Welcome, Dr. Terzaghi. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show with us today. It's always a pleasure to meet with you, Alexandra. Always so happy and peppy and filled with insight. Thank you. I met Dr. Terzaghi a while ago, and we had such an interesting conversation about the work that she does um, and how it does work in conjunction with hypnosis. And she uses it in a really special way to help her clients create change uh, through regression. And what we're going to do is um, we're first going to really outline some initial concepts and theories of how the the self is formulated because what I've realized is when clients come into my office so often they go I just don't understand why I am this way or they begin to question themselves and the idea of who they are and so what we'll first start with is presenting this concept that Dr. Terzaghi so wonderfully laid out for me in our previous conversations which is self-concept. And what I was hoping you could sort of tell the listeners is a bit about what is self-concept and in its most general form. And then we can get a little deeper into it. Concept is basically a collection of beliefs that we have about ourselves, our evaluative uh, impression of ourselves. That is um, who we are, um, are we good at what we do, um, 
largely descriptions of our abilities, ourselves, how we see ourselves. It's a picture of ourselves, including positive and negative aspects. Of course. And so when this concept is being formulated, I'm assuming when clients come to you, there's usually a reason, right? Like I always notice when clients come in, for for example, to see me for quitting smoking, I go, why now? Like, mm-hmm. what is it in your history of smoking that made you book this appointment now? And I think when we had first started talking, you had outlined that asking the question of why now for them really helps you begin to identify a process of their self-concept. Of, of their motivation for coming. And in their description of that, there are tips and bits of how they will define themselves and what was troubling them about themselves. Not necessarily their self-concept, but in many cases it is just that, self-concept. Right. Can you tell just my audience, I want to step back because I kind of jumped over it, a little bit about who you are um, in your practice and a little bit about your training. I guess your self-concept is a professional. Yes. Uh, I am trained classically as a, I'm a clinical psychologist and I am a classical psychoanalyst and a certified hypnotherapist. And my training is basically, my training and how I work is called depth psychology. That means it is directed toward uncovering unconscious elements, true causes of things, unconscious motivations, things we are not aware of, uh, rather than just surface identification of what they feel or what they think, but what are the underpinnings that they're not aware of that have so much to do with this. Right. I like that idea of depth, right? Because I think as hypnotherapists and what we're going to learn about regression is you really need to go deep and, you know, depth really does begin to identify those sub layers. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of shift within the wellness community and therapy community towards things like hypnosis and regression therapies is, you know, sometimes talking about it just isn't enough. And so, you know, as I tell all my listeners and clients that, when you want to create change, it does have to happen on this more subconscious level where the behaviors are coming from. So I love that we're talking about depth therapy and depth work with you today because it is so imperative. Um, what I was hoping we could talk about, too, is a little bit, you know, you'd mentioned in this idea of depth awareness and the idea of sort of becoming aware that there is something that's in misalignment, right? A client comes in or a patient comes in to see you and you do start with asking the question of, you know, what made you book this appointment? Are, are your patients typically aware of what the issue is or? They are coming because they're aware of some suffering. Okay. Something that is bothering them. They don't necessarily know the underpinnings of it, but they have repetitious difficulties as in dating or depressions or in anxieties, not simple acute situations, but ongoing traits perhaps or character traits that they can't seem to change that causes tremendous limitations in their life and causes them 
to dislike themselves on some deep level. And that sort of is what prompts someone to begin to create a shift within themselves. They begin to seek help. Um, Let's begin to talk about this self-concept, right? Because when a client or a patient or a client comes to see you, it's in that moment that something, they don't want to suffer anymore. There's something about their self-concept that they're questioning or beginning to want to shift. Would that be a It's not statement? really about their self-concept per se. It's usually symptom-based, that they come in because of some symptoms that are bothering them. They're in some pain, a repetitious problem, like they don't get along with people or they can't sustain a relationship, or um, they fall into frequent depressions, or their anxieties, or a continuous, uh, like generalized anxiety that no matter what, they're usually in a state of anxiety or worry, concern. Absolutely. So there's an emotional component that's coming up for them. I was wondering if you could describe a bit um, how the self the idea of self and their self-concept is developed, that belief system as well. Self-concept is something that develops early in childhood. Some people say as early as two months. Some say two years when you have a very basic concept, usually a bodily one, why they identify themselves as me, the body. And then it's, it's very small, but it gradually it grows over time and it gets more defined and also is pretty obdurate to change over time. It's not easy to change it and it's unconsciously based. I mean, people may have an idea of themselves, define themselves, but there's so much of it that is unconscious and why it's like that is usually not available to them. Right. And so... As you go through life, so what I'm hearing you say, just to clarify, is from the moment that we're born, as we go through life, our experiences and the environmental conditions around us really begin to dictate who we become. So we're almost like a ball of clay at the beginning Mm -hmm. that whether it's our parents or our friends or an emotion, they really begin to tailor us to say, I am this or I feel this way. Is yes, they differentiate <clears throat> from, first they're undifferentiated. They don't know what's inside or outside. It's just at the very basis of um, development. But then they have to develop a sense of, I'm here, I'm not part of them. This is the very, very early in life. But over time, they have to define themselves in some way. Usually, as you said very well, has to do with the environment. The environment treats them a certain way, or they perceive. A self-concept is based on perception. It does not coincide with reality, per se. It's their perception of how they are treated, uh, how mostly parents will respond to them, treat them. So they have a feeling that um, they're loved, wanted, worthy, or they develop an opposite uh, feeling about they're not good enough, they're unworthy, they're unlovable, they're not likable, largely through the interactions with their parents. Yeah, I've seen that a lot, a common theme that seems to come up more and more in my office, and I'm, I'm not sure if it's something you've seen too, is this theory of I'm not lovable or I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. um, I'm not smart enough, 
the whole judgment of ourselves that comes into play, um, which I find so interesting. And I'm sure that within your scope of practice, you begin to see more and more and can uncover where those concepts come from, whether it was rejection from the mother or, you know, a child being adopted versus born to that mother. And well, you can on a surface level. Right. But to really know, you need to go to the unconscious to discover what is it really because many people will feel, oh, my mother really didn't like me. She liked my brother more. But you really don't know until you can get to the unconscious because what we believe is probably not most of the truth. It's how we make sense of it to ourselves. It's, and I love that you said it's a perception because in earlier shows, as I've spoken about, there is this idea of when we feel something, right, or if we're feeling sad or if we're feeling happy, it is like a lens in how we see the world. So if you're feeling very unloved or lonely, the world can look like a very lonely place. And that does become your reality. It does become a belief system, which mm-hmm. I believe when we talked about the idea of self-concept, it is a belief system about the self of who I am and the environment around us and how it's been formulated. So perception. Now, now belief systems you can talk about as conscious, but belief systems are stored in the unconscious and they're very difficult to to change, and I think you can explain why that is. I think you, about the critical factor, right? About once we have some beliefs about ourselves unconsciously, even though we may want to change something very much, uh, I want to be happy or I want to be attractive. No matter what we do to try to affect that consciously, well, not no matter what, but very little we can do to change our inner belief, our true belief. We can change the way we look. We can have plastic surgery to other people. We can look great, but we don't feel that way. Right. Absolutely. There are sort of tricks, right? The fake it till you make it kind of mentality. But there is that core belief system. And I, it, it, what I'm hearing you say is it really needs to be tackled on that unconscious, subconscious level, which through talk therapy, doesn't necessarily tap into that, right? That is the conscious mind, as we've spoken about before, is very much logical. It's reasonable. It's rational. It has willpower. Not necessarily. But the unconscious is where those behaviors come from and the associations that do develop through from the moment you're born until today. And do you believe what that... The first step in creating any change is having an awareness that there's something you want to change. What's your feeling on that? Generally, I would agree with that. I'm trying to think of a situation where that wouldn't be the case. But if someone changes this because they're either forced to change because of the circumstance or because they want to change, they realize that they would want something better or less suffering. Why, they, otherwise, why would they have the motivation to change? Right. So change, a process of change really starts with a desire. 
in your life to want something different or want something more? And would it be safe to say that that desire comes from internal inspection of saying, I want something different? For internal inspection, I think it comes usually from suffering. Suffering. People so the emotion- change usually because they suffer. Right. And what we'll talk about from the break is a little bit more about that, because what I think is so interesting is, as I always say to people, you know, they'll get, have people come in saying, my wife wants me to quit smoking. People change when they're ready, not dynamic change, I'm assuming, or making the assumption, which might not be fair, doesn't necessarily just happen because someone wills it on you. But it really happens when you have that internal desire to create this shift within yourself. Yes, that's exactly right. No one can influence, cause you to change unless you internally desire that change. Got it. So what we're going to do is take a quick commercial break here, and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about this idea of self-concept and how to create these changes and the idea of how to have that self-awareness to do that. So my name is Alexandra Janelli, your host here at the Mental Sherpa Show with our special guest, Dr. Mari Terzaghi, owner and practitioner at Quantum Hypnosis Therapy, New York. And we'll be right back after the break. Visit the Theta Spring Hypnosis Store to find out more about our home hypnosis programs and detox systems. Our hypnosis programs bring the power of our therapy to the comfort of your own home or on your mobile device. Our detox system has been formulated as the first ever mind and body detox. The Burn and Build Body 14-Day Anti-Aging Detox Kit is a food-based detox that has an optional subconscious support program. Stay committed and create sustainable change while cleansing your body. Visit thetaspring.com forward slash store. We have a special 15% discount for our listeners. Use promo code VA15 at checkout. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. To reach Alexandra Janelli or her guest on today's program, 
please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aginelli at thetaspring.com. Now, back to The Mental Sherpa Show. Hello and welcome back, everybody. My name is Alexandra Ginelli with The Mental Sherpa Show. I'm joined here today with my special guest, Dr. Mari Terzaghi, who's owner and practitioner at Quantum Hypnosis Therapy NY. Um, Dr. Terzaghi has a wonderful website that I do encourage you all to go and check out, who does wonderful work of in-depth psychology and psychotherapy and age regression. Her website's quantumhypnosistherapyny.com. So welcome back, everybody. Hello, Dr. Terzaghi. It's a pleasure. Yes, I enjoyed what we were talking about. I think it can lead to many very interesting ideas and knowledge for the listeners, things that they perhaps are not aware of. Absolutely, and that's why I thought it was imperative to really have you on is that I get more and more clients coming into my office saying, you know, I've been in talk therapy for years. I really understand on this conscious level what's going on. I have an awareness of it and my patterns, but I'm not really getting this shift in my behaviors. I still am the way I am. And I think clients are beginning to get a little tired of being in talk therapy for years and years and still feeling the same way. And so what I found so fabulous of when I talked with Dr. Terzaghi about her work was really how dynamic it is. And so I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about how you got to this place that you are now with your practice because you are trained in a variety of modalities that over the last mm-hmm. 30 years you've really developed something quite unique. Well, as um, you know, I've been a classically trained psychoanalyst, meaning my focus is on looking for the unconscious origins, contributants, in order to affect real change, which has to be worked through. But I rather fell into discovering this great combination, in fact, marriage. It's a perfect marriage between depth psychology, which is looking at the unconscious, and hypnotherapy and age regression because these are all directed to understanding the unconscious, finding origins, bringing them to light, and um, then making it clear, let's say, from an age regression. If you're working in uh, talk therapy, in some cases, it, uh, a person just may not know why they're doing this. They might have this kind of compulsive behavior or they might have, um, let's say, um, a bipolar disorder. But they don't know why they keep on going through this. And you can try to find out from various threads that you get. But by using uh, hypnotherapy, particularly age regression, you can very quickly discover the cause, the underlying cause, and start working through that to affect a change. You don't change the past, but you change the effect of the past so that uh, the person now has that effect from before is now changed and they are free of that. It's uh, before they would have a fixation, as it were, to the past. 
because anything that happens in the past, let's say it's a trauma, and a trauma doesn't have to be something like a car accident or child abuse. It's just something that is a trauma according to how the individual experiences it. They feel overwhelmed, they feel unprepared, and they feel helpless to change the situation. Now, that situation is not in the past. It's always in the present, but unconscious. And through age regression, you can access it, make it present to be worked through, to have them bring back their adult mind as well as lending your ego to the patient, meaning your insights, what you observe about what's been told, and have them see other constituents, maybe misrepresentations. After all, these things are usually developed in childhood. A child's perception is very different than an adult's perception. It's very limited and very subject to generalization and distortion. So when you bring it to the present and you have the child as an adult go back and observe it, then that child or the, the, the regressed child of the patient, can, can access, can change, can make um, corrections in their perception. And through desensitization, that, uh, what, that which was traumatic no longer has a traumatic effect on them. And they're able to go on in their life without it holding them back. That's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, it, it the mind is such a powerful thing how as children or our younger selves, there is an event that happens to us that we perceive as a trauma or it, it does affect us in a way of feeling unprepared. And in that moment, we can really only see it from that vantage point as it affects us. But I love that you're talking about how we can begin to go back to that point through age regression, through mm-hmm. hypnosis, to really re-experience it and see these other vantage points of it, right? As you experience mm-hmm. it, you see it from 1% or 1 degree of the 360 degrees. And you didn't know any better. And so I love that through this regression model and idea and therapy, knowing what you know now as you've progressed through life, yeah. it gives you this really incredible ability to change and to say if only you know not to shame and blame yourself to say if only I knew what I knew then no but that can help but it does right we can use that so if you knew then what you know now what difference would that make right I do use that as a matter of fact and they they um the person the patient um can see the great differences, for instance, children usually blame themselves. That's their tendency. So if they have a mother who's, let's say, critical or neglectful, they think it's their fault. If only I was better, if I was a better child. Or if their mother was, let's say, depressed and just couldn't do right. very much for the child. They are able to see that they were helpless in the situation to do anything. That, in fact, it was an effect of the mother, not necessarily intentional, but it was uh, something that 
was inescapable at that time. Right. And so, you know, I'm sitting here thinking and drawing all this together in my mind. The idea at the time, the self-concept is only developed to that point. And as you progress through time, your self-concept changes, I'm assuming, on some level because you're also going through the autonomy phases as you grow up. You're becoming more independent. Some of the changes, but the basic part, the evaluative part, the parts that's associated with our self-esteem, is obdurate to change. It begins very early. It's like a basis, a substratum, and that is extremely difficult to change. But I, I was astounded. For instance, I came upon it because a woman came to me because she had a fear of speaking socially. She had a promotion. She was an executive, mm-hmm. but she was terrified of speaking uh, to anyone else. So it turned out that she had much more than just a fear of public speaking. She had a social phobia. She had always been like that's how how she identified herself. But just in two regressions, I was astounded at how her personality changed. You see, part of the concept, the self concept when one thing changes it's like a domino effect because there are associations with it so that after two regressions she was ambitious she um, chose to have social interaction she loved speaking she was very confident about herself Um, in fact she became so ambitious that the promotion that terrified her was not sufficient. Now she went looking for a much better position in another company. She had so much self-confidence and was so happy. It was um, an astounding change I had never seen before like that. That's amazing because I... her Was it her self-concept that changed? Her yes. self-esteem? Because it sounds like it was both. Her self-concept changed. We went to a point when she came here from another country and she was in the fourth grade and she couldn't speak English and she wore funny clothes and she was humiliated. And every time she spoke, they made fun of her and hence there was that feeling she was not good enough, inferior, couldn't speak. Of course, this woman spoke beautiful English, but that didn't matter. You see, if it doesn't coincide with the self-concept, it's rejected. And when um, she had this, um, this, this um, trauma, it stayed with her. It didn't matter what she achieved. She was that ignorant, accent-filled, uh, non-articulate, uh, ugly little girl. And that's what she thought of herself. So that stayed there. But it changed with the regression. And so do you find, in before you do the regression, is there, are you t- doing talk therapy first to understand a bit about that, to really hear what her self-concept is? And then did you find that after the regression, she was talking about herself in a very different way? In many ways she was. But after all, the human mind self-concept is very complex, and there are many other elements to it. So in some respects... I mean, her happiness, her desire to be with people, her understanding that she was likable, smart, all of this changed, and she was very ambitious. There are other things, of course, that 
remained to be worked on, which is also so important that if you have someone who's doing age regression, that they agree to have more than one session because very, very powerful. Right. Tell us a little bit about the number of sessions. I'm sure just as hypnotherapy, you know, it does vary. It is certainly not a magic bullet that people are going to come in with severe depression and say, one session changed me. Tell me a little bit about the process of what one might expect when they come for some sessions with you. Well, they usually come for psychotherapy, psychodynamic psychotherapy. And within that, I decide whether or not we should do regression. And then we continue on a regular basis meeting. And then depending on the situation, we might do another age regression right after that. I mean, age regression takes a long time, so you have to plan it. Okay. It's at least two hours. So you have to know you're going to do it to plan two hours. But then we're meeting anyway every week, twice a week, or once a week. So it's, an on, it's safe and it's, on, it's an ongoing treatment. Um, I've never done regression therapy, just age regression therapy, just by itself, nor without a commitment to a series of sessions. How, how many? If it were just age regression I would think you would need to have four. I mean, there's so many things that can happen. Sure. So at least four. But again, I haven't done it by itself. In terms of the sessions, you know, when I do life coaching or work with clients in hypnotherapy, I always say most of the work happens after the session. You know, there's a lot of dynamic work that happens in session because you're, you're resonating with a younger part of you. You're doing a lot of perspective shifting, but a lot does happen after the session as well, right? There's it, as those things begin to trigger in, can you tell me a little bit about what happens after an age regression for clients? What happens after is they put it into practice, okay. what they've learned. And without that, it's not going to work. So give me an example of what it means to put into practice for that, maybe for that client that you would, patient you would work with. Okay. Uh, it meant that she was greeting people, she was smiling, engaging in conversation, because she knew that this had changed, but she had to make sure of it. She had to practice it to reassure, yeah, it has changed. And knowing uh, how she valued herself, then also test those things, um, create meetings, uh, create, I mean, she wasn't even seeing mothers of her children before now she had parties and she kept on pushing herself to do more and more and it was a delight it wasn't strenuous it wasn't difficult so it's not to have a fear that these are going to be fleeting changes it's to test it to really say and to have that awareness to go well you know what let's see if that's true so it's again believing it seeing it practicing with it so there is conscious work that happens even when you're working on that subconscious unconscious level yes i mean surely you know people will come in for hypnotherapy or coaching and they want to leave with you having fixed them of course right okay so that's not going to work right because they have to make these changes they have to um, it has become part of their behavior. It can't be passive. 
Right. It's a process is what I'm hearing you say. And, you know, what I loved when we first spoke was that the first things out of your mouth were change is a process and how impaired it, it is to understand the process. So I think this has just been so informative talking about the process and what we're going to do when we come back from our break is to talk a little bit more about the process, um, the benefits, the possible ramifications, and why we believe that it's so imperative that this type of work, age regression, is done with someone who specializes in it. Um, so we'll be right back with our after the break with Dr. Mari Terzaghi. Again, my name is Alexandra Janelli with Theta Spring on the Mental Sherpa Show. Are you ready for a health, life, and empowerment show in one? Then be sure to listen every week for Living Well with Ann Beal. Ann takes her long-running TV show to the Internet Talk Radio Airwaves with guest experts and insight designed to help you live a healthy and successful life. By hearing from the experts and those who have found success, our goal is that you too will be motivated to do the same. Living Well with Ann Beal can be heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Visit the Theta Spring Hypnosis Store to find out more about our home hypnosis programs and detox systems. Our hypnosis programs bring the power of our therapy to the comfort of your own home or on your mobile device. Our detox system has been formulated as the first ever mind and body detox. The Burn and Build Body 14-Day Anti-Aging Detox Kit is a food-based detox that has an optional subconscious support program. Stay committed and create sustainable change while cleansing your body. Visit Thetaspring.com forward slash store. We have a special 15% discount for our listeners. Use promo code VA15 at checkout. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. To reach Alexandra Janelli or her guest on today's program, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to ajanelli at thetaspring.com. Now, back to the Mental Sherpa Show. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is Alexandra Janelli, owner at Theta Spring Hypnosis and Coaching and your host on The Mental Sherpa Show. Today, I am joined with Dr. Mari Terzaghi, owner and practitioner at Quantum Hypnosis Therapy NY. And Dr. Terzaghi does an amazing depth therapy that has been coupled and married together with age regression, which we've been speaking about. And we've been really beginning to understand the process that Dr. Terzaghi has developed with her quantum change and how that process is. And I was hoping, Dr. Terzaghi, you could maybe in its simplest form describe what is age regression? Because it's very different, right? Most Mm. people have heard of past life regression. Um, But age regression is very different and it it can happen. I'm assuming it can happen sometimes spontaneously. Mm -hmm. Um, But what you do in particular? Well, in age regression, first I have to have the person in a hypnotic trance. You can't do it without somnambulism, meaning it's um, this deep level. So it's not just talking about a memory that you have. It's really putting them in that deep hypnotic Yes. And the deepest state is that somnambulistic state that we're lo- you're looking for when you're working with them. Yes. So I get them in that state. They have to first agree that they want to do this. You just can't do this Absolutely. without an agreement. And then what happens is basically it's a reliving. It's not a memory. You're put into a trance. You have them, let's say one method is you have them um, get in touch with the feeling, make it stronger and stronger and stronger. And then when it's quite strong, you have them tell them that at a count of, let's say you can count back to 10, that they will be back at that place where they first or at an earlier time when they first had that feeling. And by let's say, um, just snapping your fingers or something else, or at the end of 10, they are back there. You speak to them, and they are there. They can describe, let's say, their shoes when they were three. They can describe their dress. They are there. It's not a memory. And what happens when you're in that hypnotic trance, that really deep state, you are taking out that more critical factor of the mind to really experience the memory, I mean, it is in some ways a memory, but you're actually reliving it. You're experiencing it. You're observing it. You're feeling it. And what I'm hearing you say is it doesn't start by just saying, oh, you remember that memory. Go back to that place. You're eliciting an emotion to be provoked and come up. So you chase, is it correct to you say chase. you're chasing the emotion back? Back to an earlier time. That's quite correct. Uh, you mentioned critical factor. Um, I think that many people may not know what that means. Right. So describe... Would you describe that? I think you do it so well. Sure. The critical factor is the part of the mind that can sort of rationalize what's happening, right? It's like, well, I can make sense of why that's happening. And you begin to make sense of everything rather than just allowing yourself to feel it and experience it. That would be my definition. Would that match up with your sort of experience of it too as... The professionally yes, it's, it's a barrier to the unconscious. Correct. So you have to get that out of the way so right. they can then be there. 
And that is what happens when you go from the awake, conscious state. Your mind, your conscious mind is like a net. It catches everything that's being told to you and it's processed. As you begin to go through the hypnotic states, whether it's light, medium, or deep, that netting begins to open up where the critical factor and the critical mind begins to quiet down. And instead of everything being heard and processed, these things are just understood on a different level the mind opens yeah and then you can change the beliefs right so you you're allowed access almost to the behavioral control zone or room of the mind Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that everything that's told to it is necessarily going to reassociate and shift um it but it does have a much higher efficacy rate in term when you access it that way and um so what what you're chasing is in that state, there is a feeling. And that feeling almost goes into the room to bring up these memories or traumas or they re- Actually, they relive it because nothing is in the past. In the mind, it's always present. We don't know that, but that's what's going on. In fact, uh, one of the people who inspired me is Dave Elman, and his expression was, we live to the reflections of the past, meaning it's right now. We don't know it's there, but it's accessible right now. The unconscious is timeless. It's always going on, and it's right there. It's not memory. Right. Would that be, you know, what I always tell people, it's kind of like parts therapy. There are all these different parts of us in different ages that when we get triggered by something, right, an emotion comes up and it's almost like that part of us that was present in the past comes forward, right? So, for example, um, maybe I was broken up with in high school, right? And then there's an experience that's happening in my life now at 34 where it feels very similar. So my high school self comes forward and that's the part of me that's responding, not the logical me here. Because it's associated. Yes, and so that it's a similar feeling and it triggers that to come into play. Yes, because that's underneath it. Right. So what age regression I'm hearing you say, it can really help you go back to those moments and shift them to shift the present. To shift it so that it can be examined and it can be corrected um, through the lending of the ego and through bringing back their adult mind, reconsidering it. And then it's having, because it's changed, that belief has changed due to the, the process of examination, etc., it is now changed in the person's present. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I've seen it at play in my practice as well. I don't necessarily do age regression, but I also want to be clear with the listeners, as Dr. Terzaghi had pointed out to me, that you can also begin to go back, not necessarily always to traumas, but to really joyful moments, maybe regressing people back to a time when their children were born or they got a promotion or happy time in a childhood when, you know, all the the weight of being an adult wasn't there to really bring that forward as well. Yes, to, to bring that forward, to make them relive it can just reinforce that belief that they have in them, that positive belief, raising that up higher into the consciousness, which can be of tremendous value when they're facing uh, challenges. So just regular everyday life, getting ahead in life, 
uh, enjoying life, uh, not letting things stress them or um, cause them to doubt so much, it can strengthen their ego. Absolutely. And that's so, it's such a good thing. We use it a lot in my practice too. It's like you can remember a time when you felt that good feeling and how to bring it up more and more too. Well, with you, it's almost contagious that it would go right into the unconscious because of your spirit. You're such a comfortable person to be with that they, I think a person, well, they have to trust a person, but you yep. really uh, invigorate that in someone. You just have this natural talent. Thank you. I appreciate that compliment. I will take it. Um, tell me a little bit about their your feelings about a person who's not trained in psychology doing age regression. What are the fears and sort of the effects that can happen that might not be as beneficial? When are there times that that can happen? Well, let's start with, I think, only a mental health licensed mental health practitioner who's also certified doing psychotherapy should do this work. Because otherwise, how do they know how to treat someone who's, they don't know anything about conflicts or defense mechanisms. They don't really know about patient-therapist relationship. Um, It could cause a lot of damage. They could panic. They're unfamiliar with these traumas with these difficulties how do they get someone back to a certain state what do they do to strengthen their ego it could be disastrous it could really hurt a patient absolutely and that it can happen i'm sure are there times when you wouldn't do regression age regression with a client or patient i think that the person would have to have a certain stability um So like good ego, Uh, that means that they can tell reality well from fantasy, that um, they can differentiate themselves, that they um, have a basic stability in their character where they're not, I don't think that someone who is very impulsive and in a dangerous way um, would be a good subject. It's just too dangerous to do um whom else um i think um psychotic disorders i think that that would be just too dangerous to handle i think it's interesting to talk about the idea of fantasy and age regression um i was talking with another psychologist and social worker uh, mia moore who had made an incredible statement of change doesn't happen in fantasy And can you tell me a bit about the difference between someone fantasizing and an actual age regression? Well, fantasy sounds like it's just um, memory that they're engaging in, just like we daydream. But daydreaming isn't reliving. It's, uh, we can quickly pull ourselves back from that, but reliving, you're there. Fantasy is just an imagination in the mind. You're not present. It's almost like wishful thinking in some way. To wish isn't necessarily to change or to want. Maybe not to want, but... To wish isn't being there. It's not real. Experiencing it. Yes. Okay. And discuss with me, you know, this idea 
how as you go back and you shift these mentalities of these past selves, have you, let me rephrase that. I'm going to go to a different question. Have you done regression with yourself? Can you do it with yourself? I don't know how that would be possible because how can you take your state yourself back to that state and also then um, instruct yourself that you're going to bring the adult self back to speak? I don't know how that would be possible. There would have to be someone who is overseeing this, is leading this. I, I think I've heard that there are some suggestions that it can be done, but I don't see how you can be reliving something and then um, dictating it. That seems to be uh, contradictory. Okay. So it really, age regression is a collaborative experience. Yes. And I'm hearing some of the key elements are to know that it is a process that you're going to begin to go through. It is having the right rapport with the practitioner that you're working you with. Have, yes, he has. He or she has to trust and feel safe. Right. Because you are going back to an uncomfortable place if you are going back to a trauma or a past mm-hmm. experience like that. Are there any other recommendations for listeners out there that are considering doing this that you would want them to consider or know about before they go and engage in this type of therapy? It's going to be uncomfortable, but it's worth it if you have ongoing, embedded difficulties that limit you, that make you unhappy over years and years. Think about, is it worth it? to go through discomfort under the protection and care of a professional in order to make a change that will that will affect the rest of your life in a very positive way. That's so up to you. That, that tolerance of that discomfort can be also soothed by the practitioner, too, as you go through it. Yes. So it, it, well, you're desensitized as you go through. So it's a, actually a small period of time when you're experiencing these negative feelings or frightful feelings and that's part of bringing the adult mind back as part of the therapist lending the ego about well you know you got through that right and and you're capable it's how do we as the therapist is building the ego that you can tolerate this you can go through it and that the ramifications that are going to happen afterwards are so powerful that it mm-hmm. would be worth that little bit of suffering to Remove so much yes. is what I'm hearing. It, it depends on a person's tolerance, as you said, for it. And is it worth it? It's definitely challenging. Right. But it's so rewarding that the people that I've done it with have been rewarded in their life. And that's, but that's the problem is if they come for one, it can be so powerful, they're kind of reluctant. Right. So to stick it out in the process and, you know, emotional tolerance. We talked about that in episode three with Dr. Mari, uh, with Dr. Nadia Friedman. And so feel free to reference emotional tolerance there. Dr. Terzaghi, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. And I can't thank you enough to check out Dr. Terzaghi, find out more about her work or to even book an appointment. You can visit her website, quantumhypnosistherapyny.com. You can also find her on the mentalsherpa.com under episode five. Again, my name is Alexandra Ginelli. 
owner at Theta Spring here in New York City and your host on the Mental Sherpa Show. Join us next week and we, as we continue this journey of self-discovery and tools for creating change. Have a great day. Thank you again for tuning into Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. Host Alexandra Janelli hopes you'll join her for another edition next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we meet again, have a nice week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.